Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Nate. And we want to welcome you to Don't Feed the Trolls, a podcast where we discuss trending topics, art, and culture through the lens of our experiences touring the world and creating art vocationally. We hope to bring topics out of the minefield of the comments sections and into the sphere of reasonable dialogue. Thank you for listening. Okay, welcome to Don't Feed the Trolls, where we don't demonize those who apologize, even if their apologies fix nothing. Right, Nate? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> And that's what I wanted to say all week long on Facebook. Hey, let's hear it for the boys who at least admit that the allegations are true. Right. It's so rare that uh, this yeah. seems, seems to be the standard is deny, deny, deny. And then uh, some of them come out and say, yeah, it's true. It happened. And it's it almost seems like the outrage is more in that sense. But we'll get to that. But first, we have a new patron this week. <laughs> we only have one patron because... That's how bad of a job we've been doing, right? <laughs> well, we just posted a Flat Earth episode over at patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls, and it's been getting a lot of action. A lot of people love getting angry about Flat Earth with me on that podcast we did. So um, yeah. if that's motivation for you, if you want to hear all about Flat Earth and uh, and get angry with me, then head on over to our patreon.com slash don't feed the trolls, pitch in at a dollar or five dollars a month. And you'll be able to to listen to that. We also want to welcome Weston Fuselman for uh, for I think he might have no he joined he just joined. So the five dollar up patrons, uh, you're getting invited to a group on Facebook where we've been chatting a bit. Uh, our Don't Feed the Patrons special group. So if any of you one dollar people want to jump to the five dollar range, uh, you can hang with us, talk about the show, share memes, and uh, right now I'm going to post. A number for you to call, and we're going to try to take some live calls uh, yeah. just to our our Facebook group here. So I'll do that first. Posting now. Yeah, and in the meantime, before people take calls, because we want to be like a professional NPR radio show. And all right, absolutely. Our, yeah. Don't be the trolls is going international. But if you're a part of our Patreon, we'll do this from time to time. We will shoot out a number. You can call it right in the middle of the episode. And tell us what you think. Exactly. And specifically, it's on this topic. Uh, public apologies. People with dubious sexual pasts are being called out left and right. From rapists to molesters to pedophiles to serial masturbators. And the outrage seems to compound when they admit to their wrongdoing. It seems like, you know, the, just this past week, Louis C.K. came out and uh, basically named all the people, named the five women uh acknowledging them and then said these stories are true uh said uh i I told myself what i did was okay but it wasn't um i screwed up i'm sorry basically all this regret and then i'm gonna go i'm gonna step back from the limelight and 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 take a long time to listen thank you for reading or whatever that that's how he ended his statement and i just saw so much outrage like how you know how dare he he doesn't seem uh, sorry at all or whatever and i wonder i wonder nate how much of that is just that like we expect people to deny allegations at this point because that's consistent with our concept of them as remorseless predators yeah i mean i think it's difficult because how do i i'm trying to think of a great analogy from this from the situation it's like going to the zoo and looking at the monkey exhibit and there's no damn monkeys you know what i mean and then all of a sudden, one monkey comes hopping out, and then you're, everyone's like, that's an ugly monkey. You know? 
Like, what the hell? That's the ugliest monkey I've ever seen. And all the other monkeys are like, I yeah. ain't coming out. So it's, like saying, it's like saying that's a bad apology, which you could pick apart, obviously. I mean, if you wanted to. But at the same time, you're never excusing that type of behavior. And can we just get this straight, too? No apology ever fixes the damage, right? Like, an, a verbal apology can't do that. Sure, um, sure. But it almost seems like maybe the person apologizing wants to fix it and so that's offensive because it's like no you can't you don't get to fix this you know with yeah. that with the with a with a shitty verbal apology after years of of these women going unheard and unacknowledged so i get it but at the same time it's like the standard of deny 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 because that's the legal strategy that will acquit you yeah. That should be more. We should be more outraged by that, right? Shouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, we people are kind of moved on from Bill Cosby. It's like, oh yeah, well, you know, Bill's never going to say he did anything, even though he's got like sixty some odd women. Yeah, it's insane. Who said that he did things that were way worse than right, like drugging people, etc. Yeah, you know, I'm not excusing the activities. But like, you know, someone whips out the old sausage, and then you were able to like get away from it, yeah. or at least. At least go, no thanks, I don't want that. So I posted something saying, like, th- there's there's no excuse for what Louis C.K. did. I mean, on one hand, like, he's very honest about his sexual depravity in his comedy, and it, it seems like he's celebrated for crossing lines, Louis C.K., right? Like, he always is pushing the boundaries in comedy, and then, so I, I asked this online the other day, it's like, are we sort of complicit? Are we culpable in some way by celebrating his boundary-pushing? in comedy because doesn't it naturally carry over to reality like doesn't it can it work its way in because it's like it's just verbal boundary pushing and then it becomes you know action boundary pushing i mean he he clearly gets jollies out of making people feel uncomfortable you think about that doesn't seem far-fetched to think that he would get jollies out of making people feel uncomfortable with with his actions which that's the most uncomfortable thing you could do to somebody or have them witness it's you with your junk in your hands looking at them. No, I, I, I see what you're trying to say. But I would say that rarely do people who kind of perform or are musicians is the is the it's rare that I think the character is also the person in real life. Yeah, uh, comedy is one of those things that really blurs the lines, though, because it's like comedians are often just saying the depraved things that are inside their head and that, and then it's sort of cathartic. They make us laugh at that depraved part of ourselves. So they just happen to be more honest people, I think in general, especially Louis C.K.'s brand of comedy, which is like really self-deprecating. I mean, I don't know. I think that's, that's, a, that's, that's an interesting insight to it. I feel like that's its own podcast. Probably. Yeah. How much is, how much is the performer, the person in real life? Right. I right. I would say, I would say most people kind of put up a wall, you know? Sure. But I he was he, definitely, I'm just saying, he was definitely celebrated as a specific type of performer. And, yeah, then we, and then when we find out in real life he's actually that sexually depraved, it's, what like, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. What I'm more interested in is like, is sort of the the person who has to, I think this is what I'm always interested in in this, in, in this podcast, talking about the people who are successful at what they do, I often think have a screw loose or two. <laughs> um, so obviously... These people in this top of the entertainment world, I mean, the, you know, you think of the Robin Williams of the world. Like, right. guy is hilarious. He's funny. He can do a million voices. Turns out he's got 
crazy mental health issues. Well, well, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? right? And so some of these big comedians and singers and, you know, this guy Jesse Lacey and Brand New, same thing, comes right. out. Yeah, the allegations are true. The guy writes the saddest songs of all time. Right. And, and narciss- <laughs> narcissistic songs. This is what why people, that's like people celebrated him for his like, yeah. I am heaven sent yeah. type, type lyrics. Yeah. And so you, it comes from a lot of inside torture and rage right. and frustration. And, and yeah. So those who don't know, Jesse Lacey, a brand new, I mean, so this is basically like alt alternative presses version of like, you know, inside the indie scene, people getting called out. Um, a woman came forward and said that he was, you know, had an online relationship with her when she was a teenager. Uh, he was soliciting nudes from her when she was 15 years old and it like apparently really messed her up. And, uh, so he admitted to it and like apologized for his behavior and said he's been in therapy and, you know, he he was a sex addict and all this stuff Yeah, and how he like, you know, he was 24 or something at the time. And, uh, you know, he, 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 he's, he's pretty honest about how screwed up he's been and how bad of a person he's been. And the, the, the outrage like doubles down at that point. It's like, people are like, this is so selfish and this is all about you. And it's all about him. And like, there's no way, I mean, it, I don't think you should give anybody slack, but like when people, when, when people come forward and admit, I think yeah. at some point we have to be like Louis CK admits to sexual misconduct. He essentially confesses implicating himself in a crime for which he could be charged. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the isn't monkey- that, isn't that what we want? The monkey hops out in front of the crowd and he goes, look at me. I'm the monkey. Right. And right. all the other all the other ones are hiding behind the wall like I ain't going out there. Those people are crazy. Those people freaking throw shit at you and shoot you like what I'm saying is like as a man. And this is what I wrote on your public or your Facebook page. I said, look, you know, all the public outrage against the man who owns up to uh, and says, yeah, the allegations are true. You're just training all the other men not to do it, not to come out when you can accept it and go, hey, out of the 10,000 men in, 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 in entertainment media and, and music, three have come out in the last week and said, yeah, the allegations are true. Right. Let's demonize them. Pitchforks. Kill them. Yeah. At the stake. It, yeah. It's, it's almost like we expect them to deny and then we don't have to think about them as human beings with with like their own like mental health issues. And, you know, we I think we're, we're disgusted by the potential of empathy with the the yeah. abuser you know um we want to dehumanize them and and if they can just deny 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 they can be that dehumanized remorseless predator they can just be that person that that doesn't want to admit that they've done anything wrong and then that's consistent with our view of them but if they come out and say yes i, I named my accusers i'm sorry i screwed up it's all true i mean that's that's really what we're trying to get men to be able to do is to admit when they've done something wrong and try to and try to not do bad things anymore, right? Like that's what we want. I mean, this is the thing: people every single day they they get divorces and they lose friendships because the other person can't admit they're wrong, right? Right. This is something that pisses off all of us all the time. It's like, oh, these people can't admit they're wrong. Uh, so much to the fact that like I don't want to be with you anymore. Right. I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to be married to you because you're never wrong. And as someone to come out in, in 2017 when it's a freaking crazy time for any news, fake news, all kinds of shit going on, 
to come out and say, yeah, the allegations are true, to, in my no pun intended, takes some big balls. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like you don't want to, number one, make it about them, right? It's really about the the voices who have who have sure, been underground. And you don't want to... Somebody who has inflicted that kind of selfishness on another person to also dig inside themselves and find some selflessness to admit that they're wrong... Right is a crazy well there's the argument that they're just trying to get out of trouble now they're just trying to save face and and of course now they come out and apologize why didn't they apologize 15 years ago now that everybody knows it now they're forced into you know backed into you know so we just sort of assume well you know just, what it is it's just natural for us to assume the worst in people and maybe you know maybe that's some level of you know superficial justice is to let's assume the worst of the the oppressor or the the person who did the crime and and let's assume the best of the victim and then that that way at least broad stroking it will be on the right side the majority of the time but uh, I, I don't think you have to excuse it, the oppressor's behavior yeah exactly you don't you're not condoning it you, never, like you never condone sexual misconduct but you do have to at some point condone admission of guilt and honesty and someone coming forward you know, and admitting to to what they're accused of, because the the standard is that they just don't ever. You know, that's well, yeah, been par for the course. They don't at all, and yeah. and they're certainly not going to continue to do it if we can't extend any sort of olive branch. Men who decide to say something and say, "Look, the allegations are true," and you know, to bring this full circle, like I don't think people really want to admit that there's both order and chaos in all of us. So right. we. We all have the potential to do something terrible, and we all have the potential to do something wonderful. Right. There's there's good and evil in us, and and hey, the yeah. devil, and God are raging inside of us. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> look at that. Look at that. The devil Oops. and God. Yeah. But, that's a that's a brand new uh, record, by the way. You guys who who were too young to remember should know. You should know. You know what's funny, actually, Matt? I saw Jesse from Brand New like a week or two ago. Really? I was at. <laughs> Going ben, to he didn't know the shit storm that was coming his way. It's just funny because the thing you did when you were 24, you asshole. No, I was <laughs> it's coming back to haunt you now. Sure, it was in town. We were just about re- rehearsing to go on tour, and a bunch of people were flying in. So half the crew went to the airport, and I went to Mitchell's Deli to grab a sandwich. And I'm standing in line, and it's like 7:30 at night, and they're not busy at night at all. And this dude walks in, and uh, he's got his family with him. And I look at him, and I'm like, "Hey." I, I, that guy's in a band. He's, I could just tell. It's like there's just this sort of unwritten law. There is just, a bandar. <laughs> there is a bandar. Yeah, there it is. I like that. Yeah. So anyway, I was like, ah, of course. I was like, yeah, that's Jesse from Brand New. Yeah. And I was going to say something to him. If my whole band was there, probably would we probably would have chatted with him. But I thought, you know, he's with his family. I, I looked at him a couple he's times. He's not your family. Yeah. <laughs> And he looked at me like, don't talk to me, dude. And I was like, so anyway, but, but anyway, it's just weird. And then, you know, I've, I've never run into him before. And then, and then uh, that comes out. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. I don't, I don't know why I told that story, but it, it, I like that band. I like that band's music. Yeah. I, I like how honest he is in his songs. There's so many times when I remember putting on his tracks and kind of thinking through my inner turmoil Right. I, and, well, and sometimes uh, the people that create the most like brutally honest, heart wrenching stuff are the most messed up too. I think, you know, like they're the people who are really doing battle 
with like their their big evil dark side on a daily basis and they're probably going to fail at that a lot to discover you know the the chaos the creative chaos that that can be turned into something beautiful some beautiful work of art so yeah it's it's a tough it's a fine line we walk i think sometimes we we just want to be dualistic and we expect people to be like you know 100% good all the time or and if they're not they're then they must be 100% bad all the time and we don't really have any nuance for like you know when you were 23 24 25 you did some things and then you cheated on some girlfriends and that's all part of you and you're still a redeemable person who can choose the the better parts of of your personality you don't have to identify as just pure evil for your mistakes but i don't think people really want to engage with the idea that number 1 there's the same evil in them so there's that same manipulative power hungry pervert in in their own brains and so they have like a self-righteous it's like reaction formation. Yeah. Like how many guys you know could potentially be charged with sexual misconduct? I mean, a lot. Not me. Yeah. Not me, of course. I think... I've never I, liked girls, but uh, but I know a lot of friends who... Who, like... I don't know. Like girls. You like girls and really were flirty with girls and drunk yeah. with girls and... Yeah. Well, it's complicated. Life is complicated and especially sexuality is complicated. And yeah, I mean, when you're out and about and you mix in like the casualness of alcohol and this and that and like the lines get blurry and people don't read each other right. Um, What I want to know is what and we did talk about this in the sexual harassment episode a couple weeks ago. But what I want to know is, is how much of like just porn culture is to blame? And I know that's a cliche because people are always like, oh, come on. Porn is not reality. It's fantasy, whatever, whatever. But scientific studies have been coming out on porn. And basically, um, not to get too explicit here, but your neurons rewire in your brain at the point of whatever is whatever your visual cortex is taking in at the point of ejaculation. <laughs> it rewires your brain to now require that and have um have a desire and impulse and so like you think about porn the cliche is like the mailman shows up or like someone comes over to clean the house and then it's always ends in sex or you know and you think about the action of porn it's like it's it's you know someone basically masturbating to someone who's not really giving them specifically consent so you think about the rewiring of the brain just like number one 10 out of 10 women who I see on porn, right? They all want to have sex uh, with me. Um, yeah. That's a rewiring. And then number two, the act of, and especially in like Louis C.K.'s case, the act of masturbating in front of other people is suddenly like, oh. that's normal. Oh, we're getting a call? Let's take the call. Perfect. Let's get their take on it. All right. Welcome to Don't Feed the Trolls. Give us your name and tell us what you want to say about the public apologies. Hey, my name's Steve. I I just always feel like every public apology seems to be some sort of publicity move. It's a way for people to make themselves look better after they get called out for doing shitty things. Right. And I just think that it would be better if if they would just make it right with the people that they were shitty to so, and then not worry so much 
about their public image. So you're saying like no sta- no public statement at all, just go straight to the family of the person and say, how can I make this right? I'm so sorry. You know, and what, what pay damages essentially? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know about paying damages, but I, I don't know. Like if, if I'm shitty to someone and then later I get called out on it, I don't go on Facebook and like apologize to Facebook. Like but I you- need to make but you could under, you could understand right? how like they have a lot of fans who are who are demanding an answer right because they're like I'm fans of you, and yeah. and now and now I need to know if if this is true or not and so it's sort of responding to the allegations in a public arena where, you know the their at least their side of the the story can be settled because they're public people right. So like I I don't know is there a better way to do is there a better way to do it You're saying. You know, no public statement, keep people in the dark, and then just go fix it on a personal level? I, I mean, I don't I don't know if it should be no public statement. It's just that's the way it feels to me. It just always feels like... You you think it feels I don't know, like, like every it, time. Sorry, what's that? You just feel like it's like, a, it's just something people have to do. It's like, you know, their agent calls and said, hey, the media is pissed. You've got to make a statement. Okay, fine. I'll make a statement. That kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like if I don't know, like if a pastor gets caught cheating, you know, years after it happens, it's like, well, why are you apologizing now? Like, why didn't you apologize three years ago when? Yeah, you were doing this shitty thing, or I, I don't know. It's it's like it it always is just this maybe maybe publicity what, thing maybe to, what we to need save to face. Maybe what we need to kind of throw out is like sort of a hierarchy of like moral behavior in terms of like, like in terms of like, okay, so if somebody says before they got caught, hey, here's what happened. I'm publicly throwing this out there. I made this mistake. Boom. And then there's people who are like, they get caught, then they make an apology. And then there's people who never make an apology. They just deny, deny, deny. Yeah. So you have this tier of like how moral a man can be when he's caught or a, or a female that like it takes an extremely moral person to come out before anything happens and admit it. Well, right? it takes an extremely moral person to never make those mistakes to begin with, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Or a, a decent person. But yeah, people don't come out and admit it in, until they're caught red handed. And that's just kind of human nature. And I guess I'm with Steve. I think totally. I think. uh I think, yes, it is damage control, but what Nate and I have been saying on here is that, like, at least admission of guilt, can we at least say that's better than the norm, which is just deny everything, and and that's your legal strategy? Yeah, like, if, if an apology was like, yeah, I, I did that. Like, I, I 100% did that, and I was totally wrong. So what do you think about Louis C.K.'s apology? Do you think he... He did a good job admitting. Yeah, like for the most part, it was it was a lot more it was a lot more admission of guilt than a lot of other ones. Like I was really disappointed when Kevin Spacey was like, "Yeah, maybe maybe I did that, and if I did, I'm like super sorry." Yeah, like, just hey, say so. that you did it, right? Like just say like I was a terrible person, yeah. and like I feel I felt guilt about it for the last thirty years, and yeah, and and it was terrible. But right. Steve, I don't know. Just, the, the real question, the real question we want to ask you is, how is dancing going? 
Matt, uh, well, Steve, my, <laughs> Steve is the guy that dan- that took up Thanks, dancing. Uh, my, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the I'm the ballet dancing carpenter. Yeah, I love it. So, <laughs> my uh, our dance instructor actually got really really busy and wasn't able to keep going. So we're hoping at some point that that kind of changes, and so it's kind of been put on hold for a while. So, All right. Yeah, All right. haven't done it for a bit. What did you What did you learn? In dancing, what do you know any moves now? <laughs> no, just super, super basic. Yeah, nothing. Well, nothing, no, we love. I, I think your story is one of those stories of our uh, listeners that has clung to me. That you, you started. You're like, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna feed those trolls, and I'm gonna learn how to dance. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, Steve, thanks for coming on the show. Right on, and, man. Uh, giving us your opinion. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. And supporting the show. So we, we appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Dude, I feel so official now. We just took our first live call on the podcast. <laughs> From Steve. Stevie B. Who, uh, if you remember in some of the previous episodes, if you're a hardcore fan of our show, you'll remember he was the guy that uh, said, I'm, I just dance. I think that was what... Just he, dance. It'll be he, okay. But he was like, I'm not going to feed the trolls. Well, I thought, he, I thought he made a good point. I mean, here's the thing. It's like we're not trying to honor people... Who, who get caught red-handed and then decide to tell the truth. It, it only feels exceptional because the standard practice is to just deny all allegations. And so we're just saying it's one better than denial. It is one better. But ideally, you, you don't have men make this mistake or encourage a culture that, yeah, that allows the, this, obviously. The thing, here's the thing. like People make shitty decisions all the time. Like, Dude, I mean... You go anywhere. You go to the grocery store. You go out to, you know, somebody will flip you off in, in road rage. Someone will kill you over, over an, like, uh, technically an illegal lane change. People are not, we are not good people, right? <laughs> like, and then we get on the internet and all of a sudden we all act like we're these like great we're the people. best. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing that gets me. I'm like, come on with the outrage. I get it. You know, like, he did shitty things, but like, but like it seems like they double down on the outrage after the admission of guilt and apology. It's like that really pisses people off. And I wonder how much of that is just a weird internal reaction formation. They can't deal with the cognitive dissonance of, of number one, believing this person's a monster and at the same time under, recognizing them as a human being. They just go, no, monster, monster. I feel you. I feel you. It's, yeah, so it's frustrating because it's like – you know, you're sitting around the news office and everyone's just like, you know, you, you're waiting for that phone call. Like, all right, get on it, guys. We just got a public statement from Louis C.K. All right, send out the troops. Let's blast them. You know, it's like people are just waiting, you know, especially to report this news. It feels like alternative press within minutes put it out on their Facebook. Jesse Lacey, singer of brand new, accused of that. Blah, blah, blah. It's right, like they don't right. like they don't care. They just want clicks and they're, eyeballs. Yeah, they're riding the they're riding the wave for sure. And then now anybody that has any rumors, like those leads are getting tracked down because it's a hot topic right now. Everybody wants to read about oh. it. Everyone's eating it up. Feminists who are ready to blast, they're literally re-editing the, the apologies and sending them back. This is what you should have said. And it's like, like it matters. Like, <laughs> like it, anything he said would, <laughs> would actually excuse his behavior. It doesn't. It doesn't. At all. And it's frustrating yeah. because it's like like i said on your facebook page all it's all it's doing is training guys that have made mistakes who have an ounce who have a shred of dignity left to go ah, i don't think it's worth it 
I don't think it's worth it. I mean, Ma- Louis C.K.'s thing was pretty brilliant. I mean, here's the thing, and that's what people don't like is that his is that he seems to have a way with words that endears you to him, and people are like, no, not going to be endeared to a predator. And they feel really mean about it. But he comes out right off the top and goes, I want to address the stories told to the New York Times by five women named Abby, Rebecca, Dana, Julia, who felt able to name themselves and one who did not. So he names his accusers right away. And then the next line, he goes, these stories are true. And I'm like, that is what, like, don't you want Donald Trump to do that? If if any of the stories are true, don't you want Roy Moore to do that? Like... Would have been These okay. are the people who are like, nah, they're just coming after me. It's a witch hunt. It's not true. He would have been okay if he just left it at that. Well, like, he, he needed to say that he was remorseful for them, and he did. He went on to say that he was remorseful, and he's he abused his power, and he says the hardest regret to live with is that you've done is what you've done to hurt someone else. And he goes, yeah. and I can hardly wrap my head around the scope of hurt I brought on them. So he like he seems to really be aware, at least that he did bad stuff to people and he hurt them and it was wrong. So that's what you yeah. want, right? But it's never really enough when you're expecting some sort of vindication. It, it seems like he's almost vindicating himself because now now you see him as a, as a human being with struggles and not as this predator or this two-dimensional monster. Maybe it's easier as for men to understand this because, or men to be more sympathetic because every man has who has any sort of sex drive yeah. Any sort of uh, abundance of testosterone has a very, very confusing brain to deal with because, you know, your attraction to women, even if you're happily married and every man can attest to this, doesn't go away. It's almost like, you know how men put on the pregnancy suit when their wives are pregnant and they walk around and they're like, man, this is like 60 pounds. This is crazy. Yeah. And their back hurts. And then they and women are all laughing. I'm like, yeah, there, there you go, men. You now you know what it's like to be pregnant. And it's like, OK, yeah. And I almost want to say, well, here's the testosterone helmet. Put this <laughs> on for 48 hours and yeah. see how crazy you feel. Yeah, I remember when my wife right? was um, I don't know what the what the uh, the science is behind this, but when she was pregnant with River my son and we we had two girls first and then river um she uh, like suddenly just i don't know what the testosterone developing a boy in there or something or like her body's producing more to like deal with the boy hormones or i don't know but like she was super aggro (laughs) i mean that could be and and horny And constantly telling me, I don't, this must be what it feels like to be a man. She's like, this is, this is impossible to deal with. This impossible to focus, like concentrate. And I'm like, yeah, yeah thank Like when we were teenagers and like in our early twenties, it, it was very, very hard to deal with the evolutionary impulses that drove us. And you yeah, know, there without was the- like, there's no, I mean, they say for a man, like the cognitive ability to discern consequences doesn't develop until 25 it's the last thing that develops in your brain so you go to college and you don't even you don't have the ability to suppress the the natural desire you're you're a victim to it you can't even think about the consequence of oh i actually don't really like this person or I, you know i i probably this won't make me feel good it's just like no sow the seed and so like it takes so much education to really help a, some a, a, a boy, a lot of boys. Well, I don't navigate think, I don't, that. As, as much as women or men don't understand women, women don't understand men, and they don't understand it. Like I've been working jobs and been around dudes before. Like I remember when I worked at camp, 
one guy, there's just always those like really um, outspoken dudes. One guy's like, I got to go masturbate so I can actually focus today. I'll see you guys in a minute. You know, I and, think that's and, a scientific myth, but yeah. <laughs> well, it might be a myth, but but everyone started laughing because they kind of understand yeah. that like if you're walking around with an erection all day long. Yeah, that's distracting. You're not getting blood to your brain. But when you're your blood's when, pooling in some other organ, <laughs> when you're 18 years old, ladies, they're for the most part, most men are walking around and they've just got this annoying erection and they don't even necessarily want to have it just bulging out of their shorts. <laughs> and it's like some guys are just like, it's much easier just to go into the bathroom and, 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 and yeah, use one out and be done. Right. You know, and then your brain kind of turns back on and it's like, okay, I mean, Matt, that was like half of our lifetime ago. Yeah, I know. It was a long time ago. I'm glad that that's not like, I mean, I remember thinking that in my 20s, like, oh my gosh, it was so hard to be a teenager. (laughs) And then now in my 30s, thinking back to my 20s and being like, oh man, it's life is so much more manageable, you know? But I think, you know, like... You have less testosterone. It's scientific. Yeah. I mean, and this is the thing, like there's no, there's no excuse for... I mean, obviously, there are healthy ways to express yourself sexually, um, and there are very, very harmful, abusive ways to do so, and that's probably up to the individual to to figure out, and then obviously the laws and the social norms of our our country. But when people come and violate those norms, um, I think that's what we're talking about here, is like, there's no amount of, like, biology that excuses uh, someone's perversion i mean uh, to to the point where it subjects someone to victim status but if you like look at look at what happens on the stupid tv shows the bachelor and the bachelorette you put a good-looking male in a cage with 13 goddesses he just starts boning all of them yeah right and people are like they can't they can't look away like oh my gosh this is this is so entertaining yeah and it's most women who watch that show and I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's such a double standard, but also it's such a display of like, if you put 10 female uh, turkeys in a pin with <laughs> one horny turkey, what's going to happen? Like the same shit happens. And when we watch it on TV, it's entertainment. Right. When it happens, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe these men are such pigs. Right. It's like, oh, you watch pig men on TV every day right well and and that's the thing is like people want to address the systemic issue right but they don't want to ever feel culpable for it they they want to blame powerful wealthy men they don't want to blame other aspects of our culture and society and tv shows and pornography and all these things that are training men to behave like animals they they just want to say no it's the men that are like authoring and designing and doing all this um and yes i think there's a responsibility of a man like we said in the sexual harassment episode to call out behavior as it happens, call out that suggestive sort of, I'm going to victimize people language or, you know, ideology or whatever that is. And that's, that's pretty rare. I like, I rarely see that, but there's this underlying subconscious thing that, that, that is uh, threaded through our society that kind of glorifies the alpha power man getting what he wants and it's it's in porn it's just on it's on pg television you know it's it's all the way through our our culture and society and i think also yes men have to take responsibility for their own actions ultimately but also i mean women what are you what are you buying into what are you celebrating what you know 
and I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, victim shaming or anything like that, but like there are aspects of our culture that encourage this sort of behavior that is kind of our lowest brain behavior. It's our, it's the first thing to evolve, you know, in, in a social primate. Most women, especially on Instagram these days, if you're any, if you're any kind of an attractive girl, the first thing they want to do is put the boobs and the legs out there to get more followers. And it's like not all of them, but yeah, I mean, guess it works because the parent because men like that, and so they alter their life to it. What I'm saying though is like I I think it would be really really difficult to be have a model's body, cute girl on Instagram, to not be like suckered into okay, I get likes and followers, yeah. Yeah. How my life is curating this this sexy this sexualized version of myself for everybody, and because it gets me attention, but, you got to be a really balanced person. And there are obviously there's a lot of beautiful it, women who don't who don't seek attention like that online. So, so I would say that that's becoming more and more and more the theme. It's like you can have girls in your high school. This never existed when we were in high school. You can have girls in your college and high school that have five hundred thousand Instagram followers, <laughs> and they're sitting next to you in class. They're internet celebrities only They're, because they take booty short photos. Yeah. You could be seeing next to this girl going, this girl's like pretty much a slut online in my understanding of what that means. Right. She might not think she might not think that. And, and, and many women will go, like, what are you talking about? She's she can dress however she wants. It's, yeah, she's fe- she she, she's feeding the lower brains of 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 a bunch um, of apes online for attention, though. And then they she has to know that that's what she's doing, but she doesn't because it's okay for her to do that because there's no there's there's a social norm that says it's okay, right? And that's what I mean by addressing our systemic issues. These social norms that we say this is okay, but that's not. And I don't know. I just think you give a little bit too much leeway to accepting men behaving badly and playing into that role. And then when it when it turns out terribly, we go, well, it's all just rich men's fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's our whole society. We have to address it systemically. Like this is, you know, we value this behavior on on certain levels, and when it gets well, out of control, then we then we freak out. We should we should address all the levels. Well, it reminds me of like Dave Chappelle when he did a stand up on this. He's like, okay, well, I mean, I understand when you when you're going out there on Halloween, you can dress however you want, but just remember, you're putting on the hooker's uniform. You know what I mean? And every and it is this long rant, and it is way more funny. He's just basically calling out that, like, yeah, you you're allowed to dress however you want, but you are putting on a hooker's uniform, and it sends a confusing <laughs> message to men. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so, weird. Like, he's like, if I wear a police uniform, people are going to start pulling over their cars. You know, right? Uh, they don't understand. But if you you put on a hooker's uniform, you're going to have guys acting differently. They're not just going to be like, oh, yeah, she's just here to drink and have fun. It's like, no, she wants to get down, and I'm going to try my best to get down with her. Right. Yeah, it's uh, weird. Halloween's weird because, like, you don't, you, you can't assume based on some, the way someone's dressed that that's who they are or what they want. Obviously, you have to have a relationship with people, and then you can't really blame them. Like, it's, it's, it's like saying, if I dress up as a zombie, I want to be the undead. Or I want to sh- eat flesh. Here, have some flesh. You're dressed as a zombie. No, Here's some bloody guts. <laughs> jam it in my throat <laughs> I hear you i mean I, I you're right i mean and i think what you and i are really frustrated about is that we probably agree with 99 things out of 100 when it comes to whatever a feminist has to say right yeah but when 
completely excuse that women can do whatever they want and they're not they're not held accountable to anything right that they do you and i you and i would probably stand back and go really well i'm i mean you know i have daughters right so like i think about this a lot because i think about their future and i think about boys who want to date them or court them or whatever and i think about them wielding the power that none of the girls in high school knew that they were wielding over boys i remember feeling so like almost like a victim (laughs) Or almost like, like girls were so powerful, but they didn't even know it. And, and sometimes they would flirt with you and they would like ruin your life. And they were just playing, they were just playing a social game. And uh, and then they would break your heart because they had no idea how like important it was that they talked to you. Like, (laughs) like that's the way I felt. So I just want to encourage my daughters to just be aware of the power that they hold over men in in a certain way and and beware that their actions can manipulate those lower brain tendencies and uh, even if it's just light flirting in high school you can the drive is for for a connection with the female species is so strong for a high school boy that like that can be mist- mistaken as love and you can break hearts and not even know it just because you're you're, you're trying to play a social game. Part of me goes like, there should be some simple understanding of rules here. Like, never, ever go into a man's hotel room alone. Uh, yeah, that's the thing, too. It's like, culturally, when you go when, when you get or invited vibe. up to someone's hotel room, that does say something, you know, and you and you voluntarily come up. It's, it doesn't say that you want to have a sexual interaction, but it does say that you're open to the p- possibility of it, potentially. Otherwise, you'd say, no, let's just hang in the bar. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't know. I, well, that's what that's what I want to say is like. But this is why I don't think. This is why I want to say if you put on the testosterone helmet for forty-eight hours, just like the man puts on the pregnancy suit, suddenly it's like you would understand. Like, no, no way in hell would I ever go into a man's hotel room. I don't like the message that that sends him. I don't plan on giving him yeah. those messages. Therefore, I'm going I'm to remain safe. Yeah, I would never uh, go on a band's tour bus. But I guess like, at the same time, you go, yeah. men, just, it's men who are doing this, so men need to change. But I just think there are ways to, to protect yourself sometimes. And I know that sounds chauvinistic. But a man, but a man, <laughs> inviting, a man inviting a woman to his hotel room, in his mind, is asking her to have sex in a weird way. Oh, sure. Or, or be involved in some something more intimate, at least. Yeah. Because a man's not going to just sit with a girl and go, hey, you right. want to go have sex right now? He, every woman's going to slap him in the face. But for some reason, you can't directly ask that. But he's thinking it, she's thinking it, and he's trying to think of a more creative, clever way to make it go down. Right. Because you can't be blunt in our society. It's just, it's just not how things work here. It's how things work in nature, but it's not how things work in reality <laughs> human beings. So a man inviting a woman to a hotel room, and then you always read about this. It's like, she went up to his hotel room, and it's like, my God, would you ever go into a caged uh, bear den? <laughs> no. Like, you wouldn't. But that plays into the whole men are animals that they need all- to be tamed. I, I, but here's the thing. I, I would like men to appeal to their higher, better judgment and, and respect women. I think ultimately that's what, what needs to happen. But oh, women, oh, can, women can save themselves a whole lot of pain if they are aware that that's a bad idea. If you don't want any sort of sexual connection with a person, and I guess this is where the power thing comes in. 
because say in Louis CK's case, these are comics who really admire him and, and they're like, wow, I get to be invited to the inner circle of Louis CK. And that's where he really abused. This isn't just random people at a bar or whatever. Right. So that's where there's a little bit more manipulation because they go, well, if we don't go up to his hotel room, like, is he going to not like us? And then does that mean he's not going to invite us on, on his next tour? Like maybe if we go up and we really hang out and we bro down with him as comics, not as sexual beings, then he will like us as friends and, and take us out on tour. And my point is, is you can do that in a public space. You can. Yeah, but if he goes, hey, you guys want to come out to my hotel room, and they say no. He wouldn't say that. Was it multiple girls that he was calling into his hotel room? There was the the one case, the one most egregious case that was mentioned was these two comics who were invited up at at a comedy festival to his hotel room, and they come in, and they just want to hang out because he's like big comedian, and they're like up and coming. And he's like, hey, can I jerk off in front of you? And they're like, what? And then, like, apparently he just, like, whipped it out and started at it. And apparently finished. So it was really messed up, right? I mean, on one hand, you can say, don't go to his hotel room. But at the same time, there is a power dynamic where they're like, this is good for my career. if If I can bro down on a comedy level. How do I say this? I think all men should, shouldn't behave like pigs. But most men are pigs. <laughs> how do you know how do you know who's a pig and who isn't a pig you don't know you don't yeah, know you don't know right? so just stay out of the hotel room and so you have to kind of assume everyone's a pig and then move on it's just like yeah it's like the psychology when when toby sits down with michael scott and he says hey michael you can just assume everyone's gay and not say anything offensive right <laughs> yeah and he's like it's no fun yeah you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah i think people want to they don't want to have those rules in their mind and their heart to assume, okay, all men are pigs. And until until otherwise, until this guy proves me otherwise, I'm just going to assume he's a pig. And I think that's a better way actually to go about living your life. Well, then there's, I mean, but I think ultimately this is a good thing because, you know, Louis C.K. was, was known for asking girls casually if they wanted to come watch him jerk off repeatedly. And those women, sure. those women never came forward about that. And that's that's harassment, right? And so I think this is ultimately good because any guy that thinks that that's the way to get consent is to constantly and repeatedly ask people for sexual encounters yeah. is now going to second guess that tactic because it seems to be a climate where you can be called out now for doing that. And that is a good thing. I think it's a good thing that doesn't matter how powerful you are, Harvey Weinstein, whoever, you're going to be called out. So that's good. It's such a caveman tactic. It's like, me, caveman, have wood, pull out wood, see wood, yes, come, boo. <laughs> what, what are men thinking? Like, I, it's I, porn, man. It's like, oh, I get some live porn. I, I, I'm, I'm rich and powerful now. People like me. I can get live porn. Remember, I remember being. Maybe we're just Christian kids. Like, I can remember being in the situation where, like, I pushing off sexual advances from girls. You know, I remember being the guy in the relationship saying no. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was always so I was so principled I would always like get out of the car and be like tell tell Christy my wife when we were dating like she needs to go home because we were teenagers or whatever and like this is not cool because I had this principle of like I'm gonna save myself until marriage or whatever and yeah I remember having a lot of control because I had principles as a teenager so it is possible for men to have self-control oh Uh, totally 
you just have to slap them with like you know 10 years of hardcore bad theology you and slap then them like, with eternal damnation it works <laughs> but here's the thing i think jesse lacy in his apology letter was talking about a lot of this that like sexuality for him for most of his life was an escape was, was this a, was this well he started off bad so men are sort of told that like like if you grow up in the church at all so many people come out of there really confused sexually right because deny they deny this part of themselves you know it reminds me of that, that movie bubble boy when with uh, uh what's his name uh, jake gillenhall yeah and he's, a, and he's like he has an erection and his mom goes say the press pledge of allegiance and he's like a pledge of allegiance to the flag you know he's trying to wait till his till his erection goes down and um and that's what that's what the church does a lot. It's like you get this erection and the church says, put it away, put it away. It's terrible. It's bad. It's bad. Right. Then you meet a girl who's like, show me that erection. And you have this crazy thing going on in your head where you're like, my body says, yeah, I want to show you this thing. But my right. heart says it's terrible. And and you, you end up, I think, um, having very unhealthy sexual relationships. Then years later, you're going on internet and you're getting young girls to, to right. do things. So that's what that leads to, right. this crazy sexual repression. Well, it's like repression um, that, that creates toxic behaviors. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's the thing, too, is our, our culture is still somewhat puritanical in nature. It's not like we're Europeans where, like, sexuality is kind of, like, fast and loose. A lot of us are, are still still raised in this, like, sex is bad, repress those feelings, whatever. It's not natural. It's sinful. And I think definitely that ha- that plays a role in... in unhealthy sexuality in adults because they haven't been taught, you know, the realities of it. It's just bad. And then, so of course they behave badly. That's definitely something I think there. And I, and I guess the last thing I want to say about this is like the other day I was at the park and I have my two little boys with me and I'm a dad. I got two little boys. I got a big responsibility. And there was this group of moms that were there at the park and they were all chit chatting about everything. And their kids are kind of roaming around. Me being the older man and by myself, I didn't talk to any of the, the older women, just kind of watching my kids. And one of the ladies' boys, a little bit older than my oldest boy, is on this little scooter and he's going around. And my little guy's trying to like, he's laughing and running up to him. He thinks it's great that he's on this little scooter and he's like scooting pretty fast. And the kid was like, out of the way. And he was like yelling at my kid. And I was like, what a punk kid. You know, like what a punk little kid, like here's this little baby just, just going up to them, having a good time. And I thought to myself, man, I don't know. And you can, I don't know what you think about this, but I thought this is where this bullshit starts huh. where these little kids are punk kids and they just, nobody ever fucking calls them out. And then that's going to turn into an asshole frat <laughs> bull who is going to just do whatever he wants well, to admit. Yeah. Right. I guess, I guess so, but I feel, I feel like welcome to the to the woman going. Hey, he's being kind of a bully to my kids. It's it's fine. They're young, but you know, just pay attention. It's kind of being a bully. Whatever. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I think the so- socialization process. You know, they say between like two and four is where you really need to learn your role, and after that, you're about five years old. It's kind of like you're kind of screwed if you haven't learned to, um, to slow your roll a bit, you know, if you haven't experienced discipline and punishment for your behavior or, or been socialized properly, been able to play well with others. But yeah, I think when you're socializing kids, you should 
put them in a lot of different situations where there is a potential for them to get bullied. And that kid who's bullying will get punched in the face at some point. Like that's part of the socialization process. Like, oh, wait, I can't do whatever I want. Uh, there's a there's extreme danger potentially. I think the problem is is when you don't have people socialized at a young age or even in adulthood. I know a guy who's in his 60s who just behaves poorly and at some point someone punched him and it was the first time he ever been punched and I was like that's why he behaves so poorly. You know, that's why he he starts all these fights cuz <laughs> no one's ever punched him in the face. That's part of the process is like, "Oh, I've overset my bounds and now I have a physical reaction, you know." That's what socialization does, and that's what helps helps oh, people I, become well rounded. And so, if someone's being, if some little kid's being a twerp, it doesn't have to be you. You can trust the process of the schoolyard to uh, teach him a lesson, and that's all part of growing up. You're right. I mean, that's probably why we always rag on only only children because it's like they never right. They were protected from a lot of that for sure. They told their parents everything they wanted, and they got it. And they their 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 parents probably didn't know any better. It's like, oh, okay. And then they kind of ran the show, and then they're just like, oh, you're an only child, right? Well, can you imagine it, if you weren't beat up or bullied or like you can imagine what what kind of like unempathetic turd you would be if <laughs> I know you know I, if like if if you I, never I, had to struggle against a bully or or an older brother or you know. That is just character building 101. So, you're right. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is that young women who have boys, it's just as much as your responsibility as it is the dad's to nip that shit in the bud. Yeah. And to say, no, you can't do that crap. You can't push people around. That's yeah. another human being. You need to respect that other human being. No, those are not your toys. You can't just take them. No, that girl, you can't just grab her shirt and grab her arm. Right. No. Right. You can't grab things grab people and this shit happens young and it's just as much the mom's responsibility as the dad and it's just frustrating when it's all on the dude just to not it's like no you have to train young boys not to be monkeys yeah it's true they they will fucking grow up to be monkeys (laughs) you just let them free range baby just let them do whatever they want they're gonna behave like monkeys dude every day they're bouncing off the walls and i'm trying to rein it rein it in (laughs) I would say that the fear, the Christian culture in me, kept me from doing stupid things. Yeah. I don't know if that's bad, but... I feel like it was relatively good overall. I was protected in a lot of ways until I started crossing the boundaries of my own volition. You know, when I was old enough to to make those decisions. But no, I wasn't protected from like violence or socialization. I was, but I was protected from exposure, early exposure to kind of more adult situations and i think that's good i think you gotta you know you gotta get get there in time so to speak i think a lot of the problems with pornography etc and this perversion and and fetishes and stuff like that happens with early exposure you know obviously there's sexual abuse and then early exposure to pornography etc etc like that's stuff that really screws with a kid's brain in the developmental phase and, and gives them a lot of problems later on so yeah i think sheltering people from that Especially porn we're and abusive we're people. Seeing, this is like the first generation of kids who, you know, have grown up with it. I mean, kids who grew up with the internet now are 17 years old. All those kids that grew up with just constant access to porn and whatever are now, sure. uh, now they're they're actually able to procreate. Right. So, are we going to be seeing more and more of this? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Because I think you have more parents in the dark about their own kids' sexuality because they didn't have access to this crap. They went off to work and thought, oh, my kids are fine. Oh, their kids are like in first and second grade with phones looking at porn. 
which we didn't have access to that stuff. Yeah. Uh, that didn't happen to us. In fact, I didn't even know everyone was masturbating until I was like almost in high school. Yeah, let's do, yeah, we got to do the Luddite community. Everyone throw your phones in the ocean. Come live with us. Nate's going to be lead farmer. <laughs> I'll be, uh, I don't know what I can do. I can I would play guitar on the fire at night. <laughs> Poorly. This whole thing is to say it's probably better that you keep those electronic screens from your young boys as much as you possibly can for as long as you possibly can. And your young girls. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, no, no free range with that stuff. Free range if they want to run around the backyard all day long. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. the internet is not is not safe for the whole family. So yeah, yeah. Well, we're officially old, and we're officially giving advice. Yeah, there we we're go. Officially- we're officially parents, yeah. caring about these things. <laughs> well, cool. We had our first uh, phone call on a podcast, and uh, we're only an hour and a half in. So, Matt, you're going to edit this one, and it's <laughs> going to be good. <laughs> okay. Well, you can send me it, and I'll see what I can do. <laughs> All right. All right, Matt. See you again. Later.